everyone. So hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. The, the title is Treasures in Heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermes destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermes do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasures is, that your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the gospel of the Lord. If you were here a few weeks ago when I spoke about Jonah, you may remember that I referred to one of my favourite Bible passages. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your heart is, there will be your treasure also. This passage has been important to me throughout my journey in faith, reminding me, as I really need it to on a very regular basis, much more regular than I'd really like to admit to, that I need to check where my personal treasure is, what my priorities are, where I am investing my resources, my time. This passage comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings of Jesus which include the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer, things which establish those basic foundations of Christian life, guiding us how to behave, how to live, both as individuals and as a community. In this passage, Jesus is setting up tension. He's teaching us how to prioritise what is of value to us. His message is pretty clear. You simply cannot serve God and money at the same time. They're like magnet poles, pulling apart in the opposite direction, unable to meet and settle together. Wherever we choose to invest our time, our resources, is where we can expect to find the source of our loyalty. But as the passage tells us, we can't be loyal to two masters at the same time especially if they have competing and conflicting interests. And if we let it be, money can be a tyrannical master, controlling us, ruling our world. How easy is it to be honest about ourselves with this, recognising where our loyalties lie? The answer, I suspect we all know, is in our heart, on our conscience. Is our focus on things that bring earthly pleasures that can fade away, leaving us just craving more but not really giving us any real satisfaction? Or are we focusing on things that give us life, that bring meaning to that life? Money itself isn't a bad thing. Without it, it would be really difficult to function as part of society. We need um, money to buy food, to heat our homes. 
the gift of money can be a real blessing, but it can't buy things that really matter. Peace of mind, confidence, self-esteem, security, good mental health. Money can't buy eternal life. Money can't buy faith or forgiveness or love. And these are the things that are essential to life, the things that we need for our spiritual well-being, things that everybody can have, but nobody can buy. Money is a very insecure thing. Even the wealthiest people, the Elon Musks, the Jeff Bezoses of this world, need to let go of all they have accumulated one day. We bring nothing into this world and we take nothing with us. So when Jesus speaks of storming up treasures in heaven, he's telling us that rather than prioritising the accumulation of wealth or power or possessions, we should be focusing our time and our attention on things that bring us closer to God, fixing our hearts on the things that will abide forever. This, this he tells us, is the way to store up treasures in heaven. Wealth might be useful, it might be held in high esteem in society, but as Christians we need to be vigilant because preoccupation with earthly treasures will ultimately lead our hearts astray and distract us from what God is doing in our lives. I understand that Jesus isn't really talking about money or possessions themselves at all, but about the emotions that these things evoke in us, the determination that we feel to get what we need, the joy that we feel when something um, valuable comes across our path, our willingness to give up what we own for the greater good. Storing up treasures in heaven requires us to change the focus of our attention from the accumulation of earthly possessions and it requires thinking and belief that touches our heart, that enables us to see God's kingdom as a precious treasure trove, something that creates as much excitement in our hearts as a valuable gem, something that makes us willing to do anything required to be part of it. For us sitting here today, I think it's really hard not to read this passage without the lens provided by the last three years of pandemic, by the looming reality of substantial increases to the cost of living. For many people that heard Jesus speak in person, the context would have been of a precarious hand-to-mouth poverty, the very real memory of exile in Babylon the ruin of Jerusalem, the loss of possessions and valuable items, which they knew as um, a very real thing could be taken away from them. Just thinking about the scenes that we've seen coming out of Ukraine this year, it feels like not very much has changed in the last 2,000 years. 1 Timothy tells us that it's the love of money that is at the root of all evil. But having a healthy relationship with money, avoiding the pitfalls of having too little or too much, is a difficult balancing act. And it's not easy to remove ourselves from the trappings of a consumerist society, which seductively emphasises the importance of personal ownership. And we do live in a consumerist society. 
the desire to have bigger, to have newer, to have more, it's overwhelming and it's really hard to ignore. It presses in on us from all angles. Tim Jackson is an economist who specialises in sustainable prosperity and his blunt response to this behaviour is that a continually growing economy will ruin our world. Instead, he says, maybe lasting prosperity is to be found in affluence which is measured by the relationships that we have, by family, by community, by vocations that bring meaning to life and value to society. It feels really relevant to the world that we're living in at the moment. And I interpret this as measuring prosperity through things that bring real meaning to life, building up those treasures of heaven. The challenge of balancing this reality of the world that we live in against our Christian faith is not always easy. It's never easy. But understanding that it is our Christian duty to focus our hearts on God rather than wealth or the accumulation of possessions. It's all very well, isn't it? But with inflation predicted to reach levels unprecedented in my lifetime, soaring energy prices, rising food bills, the continual news bulletins about the cost of living crisis. For many people, money will understandably be the first and the overwhelming thought of the day. The sad reality is that many families will be waking up in cold homes with empty stomachs. And there is no doubt about it, it is much harder to focus on those heavenly treasures when you're faced with the relentless pressure of such earthly challenges. I don't like to highlight problems without bringing solutions, but it's really difficult to know what we should do in response to this situation. It's really difficult to know how we should be acting as Christians in this situation. Money is not easy to talk about openly and honestly, even at the very best of times. It feels like it's a subject with lots of blurry lines and grey spots that we avoid. Googling practical steps, I came across a wide variety of suggestions about how we can keep in check those um, earthly treasures against the treasures in heaven. Think about how we use our money. Do we need this item? Can we delay that purchase a little longer? Are we buying because we really need the item or do we just think it will boost our self-esteem and our status? question for me, do I really need that new book or could I go to the library? My husband will definitely have an answer on that one. What we say about the way we spend our money speaks about us as Christians. It says something to the world around us about what our priorities are. Jesus himself gives us really very little practical guidance about how we should act, what our Christian response should be. We know that the poor are close to his heart. That's not to say that Jesus wants us to be poor and to struggle. But it's impossible to ignore his disdain for wealthy people who ignore the needs of the poor, barely even noticing their existence. Maybe Jesus himself understood from personal experience 
that the daily grind of living without money, continually worrying about how to make ends meet, was so difficult, so time-consuming, so overwhelming, that asking people to think of creative solutions to resolve the situation would simply be too much. And this is the reality of an incarnational saviour who understands the brokenness of humanity. I forget, all too easily, that everything I have comes from God. Everything I have is a gift from God. And if everything we have is a gift from God, let's take care to notice the way that we ourselves are fortunate and to say thank you for what we have been blessed with. I'm going to leave you today with this as a reminder. The Christian message is one of hope. We believe in something that will outlast this world. God. God who knows us. God who loves us. God who makes all things possible. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your heart is, there will be your treasure also.